Hi, I'm Tyler. And I'm Kieran. And today we're going to be examining two works of literature from classical antiquity. We're going to be looking at Lucretius's On the Nature of Things and Virgil's Georgics. But before we get into the main body of our podcast and the two authors' works, I think we really need to introduce the two writers. So Lucretius wrote The Nature of Things, and very little is actually known about his life, but based on his work, we can tell that he focused more on science than religion, and his idea of Epicurean physics is strongly enhanced and introduced in his work because he's focusing on that finite atom, the structure of the entire world, rather than looking at that big picture. Now, Virgil had some different ideas, but he also had some similarities, and Tyler can go into that right now. So Virgil, too, was a Roman poet, but he came after Lucretius. This was during the Augustan period. So, yes, uh, Virgil took uh, somewhat of a... uh, similar approach towards crafting his his narrative, that being the Georgics, the kind of didactic approach kind of manifests itself in just these straightforward uh, responsibilities of the farmer that Virgil outlines, but at the same time he takes kind of a poetic approach too. Uh, in particular, he describes the sun as giving signs, uh, which one could equate with simple weather patterns. Um, but at the same time, he kind of anthropomorphizes it and personifies it in a way that the sun kind of resembles uh, a sibyl or a prophesizer, and he makes it so that the sun kind of prophesizes the assassination of Julius Caesar, and it makes many different allusions to the uh, political turmoil that was transpiring during that time as the Georgics kind of functions as a plea uh, to restore the Italian countryside in response to these terrible series of civil wars that are just ravaging uh, the rural countryside uh, of Italy. Yeah, and one thing that I saw as like an underlying similarity is this plea that you just mentioned. And while their two ideas are different, it's important to understand that both Lucretius and Virgil are really arguing and trying to beg their audience to pay attention to what they're saying, why they say it. Now, in book two of Lucretius' The Nature of Things, he focuses on the atom and in relation to it, the entire world and its creation and what influences gods have had and for lucretius it's actually none so on page 68 of his work he says if you possess a firm grasp of these tenets you will see that nature rid of harsh taskmasters all at once is free and everything she does does on her own so that gods play no part and it's not only a beg and a plea to understand that the world is random and the interactions that happen every day can't often be prophesized but rather it's going to have that random aspect and that in a sense Virgil could be wrong to Lucretius now I don't know if you want to go into why that may not be a very proper 
claim to make in relation to Virgil and Cretius, one being wrong and the other being right? Well, I mean, there definitely are similarities and differences between the two. Um, Virgil kind of takes uh, a liking to the idea that the world is kind of governed by gods, the idea that uh, work is something that the gods kind of gave to us uh, in response to them thinking that our lives are so easy. Um, so the idea that the world is is controlled by gods, the idea that uh, his example of the sun being kind of a, a, a stand-in for a god kind of governing uh, weather patterns, uh, weather patterns, and other natural phenomena, um, kind of uh, underscores the uh, idea of uh, science being that one kind of governing principle that explains all the different uh, possibilities for why things in nature happen. But at the same time, he also uh, attributes. Uh, some of these uh, natural causes to almost divine uh, divine causes. Uh, so in book one of the Georgics, uh, Virgil claims, uh, the sun gives signs, telling you from what region the wind is to come that blows away the clouds, or what the stormy south is thinking of, and who dares doubt his word. For many times the sun has warned us of dark events to come, Treachery, deceit, clandestine plots, and war. When Caesar's light was quenched, the shining face of the sun, in pity for Rome, was covered with darkness. And that impious generation was in fear that there would thenceforth be eternal night. So the idea that all of this political strife and turmoil is being referenced in this, this one quote the idea that the sun, kind of being a stand-in for a god, is predicting uh, certain political uh, incidents kind of highlights Virgil's idea that the world is controlled by gods or overseen by gods, which seems kind of antithetical to something Lucretius might state, where he wants us to look at uh, the world through a purely... Uh, kind of uh, kind of empirical lens. Yeah, so I, I think in relation to that, Lucretius, like you were saying, is really solely focusing on the scientific aspect. So why do tsunamis or hurricanes or earthquakes occur? He's going to look at that random interaction of the atoms that one event's going to come from another. But I think that could be undermined, I guess, from Virgil, where back then in that ancient... Roman period, it's easier to explain a natural disaster, for instance, with something else that can't be completely explained because they didn't have the same scientific tools that we have to understand this. So it was easier to say, yeah, that was Poseidon being frustrated at us. Or Jupiter caused a storm because we didn't sacrifice, make a proper sacrifice to him, something of that sort. Yeah, I think that is where Lucretius coming first was kind of intriguing to me that Virgil would still make these claims because Lucretius is still talking about 
as he calls in book two, The Dance of the Atoms, he states, since atoms wander through a void, then they must either go carried along by their own weight or by a random blow struck from another atom, seeing that when atoms crash into one another, they bounce apart after the clash. So it that random interaction of the atom and the scientific evidence that he has that we know is true today, this these interactions of atoms, it is really fascinating to think that some people would still deny that and focus more on a religious aspect. Uh, I really like the idea of, uh, you know, where is blame being casted? Say a tsunami does mm-hmm. strike and someone asks, you know, why why did this happen to us? Why did why did this uh, flood my crops or my home? What did I do to deserve this? Uh, I find it interesting uh, that that Lucretius kind of shifts blame away from any type of celestial cause. It's not the gods, it's just some type of natural phenomena. Uh, on the other hand, Virgil would kind of interpret this maybe in a different kind of way. Um, kind of the idea that uh, People are, um, people are kind of um, being kind of tested, being, um, they have to go through all these kind of laborious physical tasks um, in order to make it so that uh, in the end they emerge victorious um, from this type of uh, natural natural disaster. Um, so I find it interesting uh, where you want to cast the blame and what maybe some of the moral consequences are because during this time uh, that the Georgics is being composed and, and, and spoken, uh, I'm sure a lot of uh, farmers who are being moved and forced out of their their uh, their homes on uh, on the rural uh, countryside of, of, of Italy are asking themselves, you know, why is this happening to us? Why are we being uh, almost expelled, uh, you know, out of our homes? You know, what did we do to deserve this? And it would be kind of interesting to see Lucretius um, say, you know, it's not your fault. It's kind of the fault of these kind of political figures. Um, It's not, you know, the will of some god. It's kind of uh, more so uh, human will. It's it's the will of politicians, which I guess you could kind of equate that to uh, the swerve of of atoms, which uh, Lucretius uh, discusses at length uh, in his work uh, on the nature of things. So I, I I agree with that. I can I can see this this swerve of the atom, really influencing, uh, a culture or the politics, and I think I guess that goes more into just nature and of itself being random, and that's what I think Lucretius focuses so much on is. This, unknowing entity that makes up all of the world and he just can't fathom it being a god and it's just it, it goes even to today with social darwinism and survive the fittest and just natural selection 
that what is best will survive. And I think at the time, humans may not always under have humans may not have understood that completely, but being kicked off their farm to raise this army and use their land and then go to war, that actually would benefit them in the future, maybe. Now, I think Virgil gets into that with this with the bees, this utopian society, this perfect place where they have a shelter and they can live and they survive off one another. And I just don't know is this going to last? Is it mortal, as Lucretius believes all things are, or is it immortal? You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Well, uh, Virgil kind of uh, explains that uh, the bee colony is kind of immortal because uh, it's not about the individual. It's more so about uh, the kind of collective, the idea that uh, existence is being perpetuated uh, from generation to generation, and he ends up uh, actually equating uh, the kind of bee colony, bee society, to human society. So I find it interesting that uh, uh, Lucretius wants us to kind of look at f- uh, the finite details of, uh, of our reality, and he wants us to kind of uh, look at the basic building blocks of life, he wants us to look at the atoms. He wants us to look at. Uh, he wants us to see the world, but a microcosm of the world. And I think that's okay. what the bees kind of are. Um, we kind of just see these insects, and we kind of just see them as well, just that. But in all honesty, they really are like us. And the idea that uh, the bees are so cooperative. Uh, and uh, exhibit this very altruistic behavior, I think is is Virgil's way of, of kind of giving hope to his audience that, well, maybe one day human society will kind of uh, not only just aspire to be like that, you know, but also to actually be that, uh, to embrace a, a society in which we're all kind of pulling for each other. Um, so... Is, so pretty much breaking away from Lucretius' idea of a random interaction that it's going to be random for a long time, but eventually it's going to find it, the system where it fits perfectly and it will continue. So this idea of a mortal atom, a mortal life, things will die, but what it stands for, the entity which it wants to become, what works well, will continue to live on. Right, so it's a matter of kind of getting away from that chaos of randomness and kind of uh, moving more towards this system of structure and stability, this kind of uh, society where everyone is is working together. Uh, and I think that kind of reflects uh, the kind of uh, revival of, of Rome under Octavian. Uh, so uh, thank you for uh, listening to us. And I guess we can agree to disagree. <laughs> thank you. Bye.